0: Hi Creepers, this is Unexplained Oregon, a podcast with two best friends talking about all things creepy, the unexplained, and the missing in the Pacific Northwest. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at UnexplainedOregon. You can also email us at UnexplainedOregon at gmail.com. We love our listeners' suggestions, and we love hearing from you. That reminds me, if you're a friend of the podcast and you want more people to find out about us, can you take a minute to go on Apple Podcast and give us a good rating? We appreciate that. Kim and I talk about real-life intense subjects on this podcast that could be disturbing to some listeners. We also use bad language. As always, be mindful and take care of yourselves.
1: Welcome back, Creepers! We're back for another episode of Unexplained Oregon. How are you, Christine?
0: I'm doing really, really good, Kim. So glad to be here with you as usual. Yeah, I'm really
1: excited to be on here today. Today we're going to talk about uh, some dead bodies found in Oregon, and then we're also going to tie in some listener emails that we've received, so that's always exciting for us
0: definitely definitely i mean we want to start out of course saying that you know there could be information that we're sharing in this episode that some people might find disturbing or triggering so we always want to remind listeners to take care of themselves and be mindful of of what is you know being talked about today uh, and just to kind of take care of yourself.
1: Definitely. Thank you for saying that. Um, <clears throat> I think we do a good job of reminding our listeners when we have some disturbing things to talk about, which is almost every episode. But definitely we're going to touch base a little bit on self-care in this episode for, you know, the people that find the things in the woods that we're going to discuss and and so that's always disturbing we're also going to touch base on um a child again and and rehash an episode that we talked about last season so um yes thanks for the reminder definite self-care uh you know self-care for me is getting out there and digging in the dirt How about you, Christine? What's your self care?
0: Yeah, I am looking at my nails right now, and they have, (laughs) they're so gross and dirty from just, I did yard work yesterday, I did a little bit this week. And then I did some yesterday because we had some rain. So I was out there like, I got to get these weeds, yes, girl. <laughs> They're going to pull right up and then come right back. <laughs> I know. I'm yeah. going to pull it up just so they can come right back again. That's really the uh, because truth. Because
1: you don't want to spray
0: no. Roundup. Oh, no. Because
1: Roundup's bad. Yeah. So Yeah. it's just, I know, we have... This area in our driveway where I probably, you know, Roundup would do the trick, but I'm not going to go out there and spray it. So I'm out there
0: pulling them good every month I feel like <laughs> it's some self-care this uh <laughs> as soon as like spring hits it's like uh you work through one area and then you get to the next and the other area is full of weeds again like you get to enjoy yes. it for like a day so
1: but hopefully you have your headphones on while you're out there you know digging in the dirt and you're listening to some unexplained organ uh and we know that people are listening because they're leaving us reviews, right? So we have a little plan. And why don't you tell our listeners what our plan is?
0: Well, we appreciate the people that, uh, that take the time to get on there and leave a five-star review. That means a lot to us. Uh, and we have a sticker for you. So we want to send you an Unexplained Oregon sticker. If you leave a five-star review... Uh, send us an email uh, and we'll we'll send you a sticker. And if you want a sticker from from us, send us an email and, and we'll send one to you anyway. Like, we've got these cool stickers. We're excited to share them. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We love those five-star well,
1: reviews. <laughs> yes, and we love stickers. So <laughs>
0: let's do it. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about today, Kim? I know that we have you know, some cool stories from previous episodes that we want to touch on again. We also wanted to tie in listener emails that we've received. And so I'm excited to hear what you have to talk about. And then I've got some fun stuff to kind of tie in with it as well.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So we've talked about how, uh, you know oregon is basically made up of forest land right there's 30 million acres of forest land in oregon and that breeds this uh a mystery backdrop for you know things that are just left in the woods and that disturbingly includes dead bodies so we're gonna just uh, touch base on a couple cases that we've covered before you know of course go back and listen to our first season In the very early, early production stages, we covered the Cowden family murder, a very disturbing case down in Southern Oregon. This family was found months later after they disappeared in the woods. Last season, we also covered uh, some cases on some John and Jane does that were found. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, it's, it's a really good episode to go back and listen to. Actually, it's generated a lot of excitement on our Facebook page. So we definitely want to keep bringing this information out there to you. So in that episode, we touched base about a, a really disturbing case of a little, little girl, Jane Doe, yeah. is what we called her. Mm-hmm. And what we knew at the time was she was found... On december 10th and that she was found near lincoln in lincoln county uh in the van Duser rest area off of highway 18 which is a little east of lincoln city and uh at that time when we covered it they had released released a sketch of the little girl and they didn't know much information at the time they were asking for information so just recently as of march uh mid-march they released some new information on this case oh cool okay. so we definitely want to get this out there for our listeners um they now have an approximate age of a little girl and this is you know trigger warning self-care here she was six six and a half to ten years old okay so they know that about her they have about uh 180 tips that have come in Mm-hmm. Uh, From when they asked for information and they've actually ruled out at least 61 people. Wow. So, yeah, that seemed like a lot, a big number to me to rule out. Mm -hmm. So um, they also believe that she had died 30 days prior to being dropped at that site. Okay. So, not a lot of information but definitely something worth definitely telling our listeners about uh, until We know more. We're going to cover this little girl, Jane Doe. It breaks my heart. Uh, uh, Go back and look at the sketch. You can find this information out there. Uh, I guess we've made progress that we know her age, Mm right?
0: I can't believe what they can, yeah, what they can find out too. I mean, obviously, but like just that additional information, you know, could be really helpful to discovering who she is
1: definitely so we'll put some information out there on our social media um some tip line information of course if anybody has you know anything additional uh you'd want to call the tip line so along with that you know this year they uh, i was reading about of course you know once we decide what we're going to cover here we start and you know researching and um on january 8th of this year, reported by KGW8 News, a timber crew found skeletal human remains in a remote wilderness area southeast of Malala. Uh, I guess the crew was planting trees in a steep ravine off of a private road when they found these remains. And at the time they released this information, they had no idea. Uh, I I found it fascinating. One, because my mind went immediately to the Timber crew that found these remains, right? Sure. Talking about self-care, it's like, wow, that would be so disturbing. And I think everybody knows how disturbing I find it. Like, there was some choice words that I had in our Cowden episode that (laughs) people didn't appreciate. (gasps) (gasps) But when they found the bodies, it was really friggin' disturbing. So, I just, my mind goes to, you know, when you do when you are the person to find these disturbing remains wow what does that do to you you're you know hopefully you have people to talk to and you can work through it uh but since they relief that release that information they have some new info on that case that i find is very interesting uh they have since found out that the remains were from a man missing since 1979 oh wow so really long time uh they know his name his name was kenneth lee ball bell and he was 22 years old when he went missing Hmm. really sad um investigators believe that he vanished while traveling from the bay area to to washington to visit some family um when they found kenneth's remains they found partial human remains of a school articles of clothing one low top sneaker in one ring. So, yeah, you and I have talked about, you know, that random shoe. Oh, yeah. That someone finds in the middle of the woods, and it's like, what <laughs> the fuck? is one shoe yes. here on this path yeah, that um, no one's ever right. seen, you know? So, uh, there is a tip line. Uh, that number is 503 723 4949. They're still looking for information, obviously, on anything that they can pull together. About Kenneth.
0: Kim, I thought that I had read that possibly he was working for some kind of crew like that, like some kind of timber job. Was was that anything that you had read or was maybe... I hadn't
1: read that yet, but okay. maybe I'll go back and, and maybe that was released after
0: I'd written down our notes for today.
1: Okay. But,
0: but you read that he was like traveling through from California to Washington State to visit people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's like a photo of him also included. Yeah,
1: a young, young, nice-looking man. Uh, Just really strange that he's been missing since 1979. And here we are, 2021. Yeah. And they found his bones on the side of a steep ravine in Oregon. Yeah. You know, kind of creepy, really
0: creepy. Yeah, and Malala is located south of Portland, I don't, like, I had never even heard of it before, and I'm kind of looking at it and I'm on a map right now. I don't even know how far it is from Portland. I'm going to check that out. But, um, yeah, is there anything else that we found out about that area that... So, yeah, definitely Malala,
1: Oregon, is pretty familiar in reading about dead bodies. Uh, this is a disturbing case that I read about in 1989, Dayton Leroy Rogers was convicted of killing seven women, oh my. and um, he did that in the Malala Forest. Oh,
0: okay,
1: uh, yeah, and you know, very disturbing what I'm about to tell you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm laughing because I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying not to use my choice half-bomb <laughs> in describing it. Okay. So I
0: won't. I you can won't do, do that, that too, though. It's okay. I know yeah. I can.
1: Um, but this creep Dayton Leroy Rogers used a hacksaw to cut off two of the women's feet and was said to have gutted another from sternum to pelvis. Oh
0: my
1: yeah uh, his original sentence was death and that was actually overturned but then a final death sentence was emplaced upon him uh, in 2015. so he is currently serving you know his time for these crimes. Total creep. He was a small engine mechanic uh, by trade and had a wife and child at the time of committing these crimes. It sounded like he preyed upon uh, street women, so women that were less unfortunate and, uh, you know, probably had a lot of opportunity there to uh, harm people. So, yeah, definitely Malala, Oregon, has
0: seen some crime in mm-hmm. the forest. Which is very creepy. Yeah, it looks like he was dubbed the Malala Forest Killer.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely uh, don't look at his picture. Oh, God, like. I'm looking right now. It's so <laughs> You don't want freaky.
0: to. The, one, the original one, and then what he looks like now? Ew.
1: Yeah, so my heart goes out, of course, to the, you know, the victim's families. How friggin' horrible would it be... You know one to know that your family member went missing and was harmed, but to be gutted from you know sternum to pelvis in the middle of the forest, I mean just it's horrible, but luckily he was you know found guilty and and he's serving his time for his crime, right,
0: yeah, and that you know that's a horrendous crime and and um and yeah, of course our hearts go out to the the victims and again i mean the reason we're talking about it is that there's this isolated parts of oregon that create like the perfect setting for people to do to do these things and get away with it but also to bury people or leave people or whatever and and it's typically like the person is familiar with the area or so they're, they're, um, yes, you know, they know where to go. They know what road to drive off on. I mean, we, we learned that, you know, in our first season with the uh, ghost of highway 20 serial killer, if you haven't like gone back and listened to, to those episodes. Uh, so typically it's going to be somebody that's familiar with, with, those locations or those isolated places. So they, they're going to know how to get in and out. They're going to know what time of day to do that. Uh, who's around there that could see them or not see them. So it's, it's tragic, very tragic. It
1: is tragic. It's definitely creepy. Uh, we went to Lincoln city spring break, I guess. And As I was driving over there, I was I was thinking about our Highway 20 episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just looking at all the side roads and all that land, and um, definitely creepy that someone would know that you know know the places to drop those bodies. Right. So
0: I agree. I mean, every time we've been camping a couple times, and um, you know we're driving out to the coast. And there's so, so much forest area, so much isolated area, so many roads that you can go off. I've had, uh, Dave's had to pull off a couple times for me to Uh (laughs) to go to the bathroom because I can't make it. Thank you, Dave. But yeah, again, like, uh, even doing that, like, I'm, like, surprised what I find on the side of the road even and you know that other people are out there and I mean okay I've only done that once but um it's weird but like it it's there's forest everywhere and there's nobody out there and and it's creepy yeah so ew it's it's like it's beautiful and then it's also creepy like what
1: it's this it is it's like a very majestic creepy backdrop
0: for these for these crimes and yeah. now
1: that we we've talked about it and we've kind of engrossed ourselves in in these topics it's my mind goes there when I'm on that nice country drive I know I know it just does
0: we're still e- yeah. able to enjoy though the uh the beauty of it and I think we're still getting out there uh I was just having a conversation with Dave about camping alone and actually i'm gonna camp alone kim i don't know if i told you this for the first time ever we're gonna set up our camper and we kind of figured out a plan so that he gets some camping time we get some camping time together and then i'm gonna camp by myself in our camper which is so stupid because it's locked i mean it's not like i'm camping in a tent a nylon tent somewhere like i'm gonna be locked inside my camper at night but i've never camped alone and part of it is is this fear you know that I've told myself that there are things that happen to people it's, it's not irrational I mean look at what we're talking about things do happen to people but I don't think it should stop us from doing like the things that we want to do in nature I think it it should empower us to to get out there because we have the right to be out there as much as anyone else, and mm-hmm. uh, and I also think these crimes are rare. We just hear about them because they're fucked up, and and our brain mm-hmm. is going to go to that. But really, yeah. the the odds of anything happening to us is is really slim. And I think I think I just want to throw that out there because I don't want it to stop us from enjoying the wilderness or enjoying. <laughs> The birds and the trees and uh, yeah we're gonna know that there's shit out there too that we might find (laughs) that's the fun
1: part go out there and try to find it (laughs) go out
0: and try to find the shoe
1: yeah no but just back to your camping adventure are you going to camp like uh off-road camp like we're No, we're going to go to No, no,
0: no. No. We're going to oh, go to okay. Lost Creek, which you and I were talking earlier is where, you know, mm-hmm. you and Dan were talking about the UFOs and your previous. Yes. I've never camped there, so I know. Wow. Uh, Davis camped there and and he's really excited because he was like, Yeah, this is where, you know, Kim and Dan camped. And so we're gonna go there and I'll keep you posted. I'll I'll take some pictures and maybe record from our location. But it's a very like populated area. This isn't yeah, you know, this isn't gonna be me like backpacking in anywhere by myself yet. I'm not opposed to this. Like at some point in my life I want to do that I want to be able to stay somewhere by myself and say I did it.
1: You're crazy, girl. I know <laughs> I'm too scared of the dark. I, I know need someone there holding me. Like, seriously, I, I said
0: I want to do it, and I know, like, it's on a spectrum. Like, I know that just starting out doing this is a great first step, going, you know, backpacking and like camping in the wilderness, and then maybe doing it by myself at some point. Like, I'm building up to it. So yeah, I'll keep you posted. On I'm the so outcome. proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crazy.
1: <laughs> crazy girl. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, we have a couple of listener emails. We love those listener emails, by the way. I, we get excited, everyone. And and uh, the more that we put out there the more emails are coming in. So just know that if you've emailed us, we have an answer to you, answered you. That does not mean we haven't read it and we we want to pay tribute to, you know, every email that comes in to us for sure, the positive ones, right? The yeah, ones that love us from I'm, our creeper family.
0: We get good feedback mostly like it it's been a positive thing and we've asked people to to email stories or ideas. Uh, and we did get one from a listener that sent, uh, she sent an article about a veteran that was actually found uh, in Oregon uh, who had disappeared 42 years ago. And so hmm. I thought this was kind of interesting and, and thought we could talk about it and share it. So this article was from February 15th, 2020 from the website Stars and Stripes, which is like a military Website, you know, that covers kind of military topics and issues. But apparently, in Portland, Oregon, mm. uh, on September 14, 1979, two hikers discovered human remains off the steep trails near Multnomah Falls. They found a partial skeleton, eyeglasses, a leather jacket, hiking boots, and a baseball cap printed with the letters NT. Based on the bones and hair found at the scene, investigators determined the body likely belonged to a man between 20 and 35 years old with a thick, curly beard. Hmm. A news brief that ran in the Oregonian noted that the remains had been exposed to the elements for quite some time. Police sent the skull and mandible to the Smithsonian Institute in D.C. for the anthropological exam Which concluded, based on skull measurements and the fact that it was found in Oregon, that the person who died was likely African American, the Smithsonian provided a line art drawing of what he may have looked like, but police had no leads and no one had been reported missing. For decades the bone sat in a box at the Oregon State Police Medical Examiner's office in Clackamas. Based on the year he was found and the numerical filing system of the Multnomah Moul- County Sheriff's office, he became John Doe 79 I cannot talk 791862. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. more than 150 unidentified skeletal remain case remains cases in Oregon, at least one in all 36 counties. But Oregon State Police have a new tool to revisit these cold cases, online gene- genealogy research. So, I mean, this ties in really well to what we've talked about before with uh, Finley Creek. And, you know, we talked a little bit in that episode about what happens to, like, the bones and the process of all of yeah. this. And, and so this kind of ties back. And this is actually a great article, Emailed into us from a listener, yeah. correct? so uh, Thank I you. know. So, as people take home, you know, take home DNA tests, do those DNA tests, investigators can use this data to solve decades old mysteries. Now, 42 years after he was first discovered, John Doe, 79, 1862, has a name. So, in 2004, Dr. Nikki Vance became the state's forensic anthropologist. And this was when DNA testing was rapidly improving, and she set out to, like, re-examine all the remains in her care. They sent the bones to a lab in Texas, and they were able to extract the DNA. And then they put the information into CODIS uh, and, and into um, the DNA index system that has been maintained by the FBI. The bones DNA was compared to other profiles in the national system family of missing persons convicted offender profiles and samples taken from crime scenes but they they didn't find a match mm. and in 2013 forensic artist Joyce Nagy with the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office used the skull and mandible to create a m- more detailed comp- composite drawing of the man and what he looked like or what he might have looked like That's-
1: amazing what they can do yeah at that
0: point the state oregon state police got no leads though with that drawing and five years later uh a serial killer case changed everything the golden state killer Mm. had committed a string of murders rapes and burglaries throughout california we know about him i mean everybody knows about him and they arrested joseph james d'angelo um due to this DNA ability, right? We've talked about this before too and how these profiles is what ended up helping them find him. That They also constructed the like his family DNA. So they're talking a little bit in this article about how this case, the Golden State Killer, actually was kind of um, a big deal and how they found him. Yeah. Huh.
1: Well, we've talked about that case. So actually, we talked about covering uh, Michelle McNamara's Book and that awesome documentary on HBO. Mm-hmm. The name of it is completely slipping my head and we probably have listeners screaming it right now because they've seen it. It's awesome. I know.
0: We have talked about actually doing that, covering that, and we were really into because it.
1: Because yeah. yeah, we both watched it and we were like, oh. uh... It sat yeah. with us.
0: So, they started to get some funding to be able to look into, um, you know, the genealogy... And it says the first person identified by state police through genetic genealogy was 16-year-old Ann Lehman, whose skeletal remains were found in Josephine County in 1971. Uh, hmm. A California-based nonprofit volunteer organization, the DNA Doe Project, took on the case in 2018 and identified her after five months of genetic, gene- gene- genetic? genealogy. Thank you, Cam. Research. Uh, and and we know from different things that we've watched that I know we talked about, I think there was a show on ID that we had talked about, too, that the process of this is uh, it's extensive. And getting people that will help or volunteer to be able to look at the research and, like, come up with the data and, and analyze it, it's t- very time consuming. Around the same time in 2018, state police received a 400,000 federal grant to use genetic geneal- genealogy <laughs> genealogy <laughs> on unidentified <laughs> remains cases.
1: Wow, that's quite a bit
0: of chunk of change right? Yeah. That they received. Hmm. And John Doe uh, of Multnomah Falls was one of the first cases the company took on. And so listed here is it shows like the picture of his drawing. Okay, so it talks about like who was involved In this case, so just a week after the Golden State Killer arrest, this lab hires a new research team. And they had some new techniques that they were going to be using. So they use, they talk about the database and the DNA testing and the different markers with DNA and uh, downloading different reports. So just even, I mean, this sounds pretty overwhelming. Just thinking about what goes into figuring out who, you know, this veteran is. Hmm. So, wow. She used social media one of the uh, researchers and public records uh, and then they did a reverse engineer of a family tree on this DNA sample
1: and then found the match through one of those online websites is that how yeah I mean
0: they use the data from the DNA from one of those and they try to see if they can can construct some kind of a link hmm And they could end up with a bunch of descendants, and then they end up having to sort of sort through them.
1: So it takes Um, quite a bit of time, I guess. Yeah, it says
0: it takes dozens of distant family members and months of tedious work to narrow down the search and uh, triangulate an identity. I remember that case we talked about,
1: that ID show, we talked about it last season, and they did this. Yeah. Everyone yeah. should go back and watch that. It was a case of a missing woman in Oregon and really sad. I was actually bawling at the end of it. Uh, yeah. The woman, it was her daughters, remember, at the end. Yes. That I ended do. up finding it out, but they did it all through the DNA, like you're talking mm-hmm. about. So definitely it, uh, it takes a long time, but. The results can happen, right? It sounds like funding's an issue.
0: Yeah, and I think this is all still relatively new. It says um, they knew that this case was going to be tricky. For starters, there are fewer African-American profiles in the the databases. And then there, this is interesting, there is the cruel legacy of slavery, which can make constructing family trees for Black Americans much more difficult because there are more limited... Uh, records available. Oh, wow. Before, so before the emancipation, uh, records are limited. Anyway, this, this article goes on to talk more about uh, how they pieced together like his family. And this is really interesting. They kind of talk about the different family members and how they pieced it all together. And um, and they find that sort of they, they locate him and who they think it, he was. And, and then they start to track his history. So his name was Freeman Asher Jr. He was born in Oklahoma in 1944, the ninth child in a family of 10 siblings. Hmm. And then they sort of track, like, what happened to him. He joined the Navy. He enrolled in school after the Navy. Navy. He uh, was a student at a, in Phoenix College. And in the 70s, he worked in Phoenix at a detention home. Uh, and people lost track of him, which I think is a really common thing sometimes is that a family member will just kind of go off the grid maybe and other family members will lose track of him or mm-hmm. them. Says so we had no idea where he went or what had become of him. Uh, we knew he was there at one point and then he wasn't that's sad i know i know so then his remains were found and maybe another it looks like another family member died in 1988 so at that point they tried tracking him down uh they had his social security number and contacted the red cross which helps actually with families of veterans find missing relatives. I did not know that. I didn't either. They learned Asher hadn't tried to access any veterans benefits, but they didn't think he was dead. Hmm. They made it sound like apparently that he didn't really want to be contacted. That was the impression that the families got. So they probably thought that he was still alive, and
1: that was the case with that woman in that ID show. She had mm-hmm. she had been estranged from a lot of people in her life, and they just they just assumed she wasn't, you know, around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and this is the niece talking in this uh, article. She said that they knew that he had never been married and he never had children, which kind of also plays into, like, no one really tracking him either. Like, Mm -hmm. if you have a family or a wife or you know, significant other, you're going to have somebody paying attention or tracking you. And in this case, he he didn't have that. The niece says that she has no idea what NT may have stood for on his hat or why he might have even been in Multnomah Falls. That's weird. She said, when they said they found him on a trail, I'm going, trail? It didn't even sound like him, but who knows? Uh, he would have been around 34 years old when he died, uh, and, and the niece says it, you know, it's really good for closure, but it was also very painful because he died out there in the elements. It's just really sad. He was so young. My gra- my grandmother, God rest her soul, wondered what happened to him. Then I couldn't sleep at night when I first knew. It's kind of like it just happened.
1: Hmm. That's sad. We talk about these cases that never go away for people. Like, Carolyn, her mom, Leona, I mean, this is never going to go away. She has to keep this information out there, you know? Yeah. So, at least they got peace, and they, you know, found some kind, sounds like they're trying to get some kind of closure with this information, and uh, good that they worked with the Oregonian and getting... The information out there about the DNA, I find it fascinating, all the work that goes into DNA and stuff, you know, in determining a crime and just even that sketch that they release out there Mm -hmm. of the little girl Jane Doe. I mean, they, you know, just by her remains and um, doing some research, they they can release a sketch of what they believe she looks like. That's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, and I was listening to a podcast yesterday about missing people in Washington State, and they had a a forensic artist on there talk that she looks at the skull, and she really examines it, and she was talking about each skull is unique. Like, even though we are all, like, it's basically the same, each one of us has a very unique and and it's not symmetric perfectly symmetrical so she really looks and touches and like investigates Hmm. the skull so that she can represent you know the uniqueness in each one of her drawings that's Uh, interesting
1: did I ever tell you I was getting my hair done uh with someone new and so she had never like washed my hair and She's like, you have a little indention in the back. She's like, what is this? Hmm. And she's like, is that just, that just must be a Kim thing. And ever since she has said that, like, I'll, I'm, I like feel it. And I'm like, that's weird. weird. I have a weird, hopefully that wasn't because I was abducted by an alien and they implanted something in there. Oh
0: my goodness. <laughs> well, that's always a possibility from uh, Lost Creek. <laughs> but, is. uh, This article ends talking about uh, how they had found a skeletonized foot in a boot in Southern Oregon. And, And this investigator doesn't have any more of the body parts. So he took that to the forensic artist and gave the DNA sample to the investigators, the researchers, so they can determine the person's gender, eye color, hair color, and skin color. Wow. Um, Because the DNA is going to give them, you know, a wealth of information that they would never be able to look at just by looking at the bones. So this is a great article. I'm shocked. They're they're talking about more cases that they're working on. So maybe we'll use this article and follow up more on it and see what happens. This is actually a very, very well-written article that I will add to a link if someone wants to go and and read it and look at it follow up on it so thank you for sending this article into us it's so important that we're getting because we would have never found this I wouldn't have found it on my own so I really appreciate it that's what I love a lot of
1: our information coming in um, some cases we've talked about are things that weren't on our radar that were emailed into us so Mm -hmm. and that really makes it exciting it makes it feel you know we've talked about it before it makes it feel like this is an organic pot process and, and it's what we're meant to do right so uh, definitely we were going to talk a little bit more about another follow-up email we got right
0: yeah so this this goes back a few months ago uh, I had been talking to a co-worker at just about the podcast as like a fun thing that you and I had been doing and uh, and had just mentioned because we had just finished up sharing like our our cattle and crop episode and so if you haven't listened to that one go back and uh, and listen that that one was pertaining to the cattle mutilations that have gone on throughout the state and so my co-worker sent me an email about his experience with cattle mutilations in the state of Idaho yeah we've had this email and I have been like curious about what to kind of do with it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to read the whole thing or just kind of touch on what it was and I think I'm just going to touch on sort of what went on in the state of Idaho with cattle Cattle mutilations is very similar to what's been going on in Oregon and we knew that from our episode but at this particular time and year it had been linked to like what they believed were satanic rituals and uh And so at the time that my coworker, he was with law enforcement and they came back on the scene in 2010 to do sort of a cold case investigation around it. So he gave us gave me a little bit of information on uh, what they believed to be sort of a satanic group of people that were, you know, worshiping Satan or performing rituals and that they were tied to these mutilations happening and that there was potentially even a murder of one of their members that had occurred. And the email didn't give me a lot of information in terms of things that I could look up and find, uh, but it definitely like contributed to what is happening in Idaho that is similar to what happened or is happening by the way, currently here in Oregon. Cause I want to talk to you about that, Kim, okay. uh, but I appreciate my coworkers sending me this pretty lengthy email with with kind of a different perspective that at, it sounds like they really believe that the mutilations happening, at least in this place in Idaho, were linked to, like, satanic rituals and, and like, this whole story of a murder of one of their members, and nothing had ever been solved. It was a really good email, pretty lengthy. I appreciate the input from anybody that has any information, and especially because he was in law enforcement, mm-hmm. so it kind of gives, like, an, an additional insight to sort of the history of even what was going on in Idaho and this is eastern Idaho uh, and the stories were he says listed or titled not a drop of blood Uh, because of course these mutilations were really impacting the farmers they were losing money uh, but there was just not a lot of evidence as to what was really going on I just wanted to to mention the email kind of add in the uh the aspect of the like cult rituals mm-hmm. or the satanic rituals, and we talked about going down that track in terms of like satanic panic and what was going on in the eighties and and probably even part of the nineties where we really latched onto the idea of like the cult, you know, sat- Satan and and people out in the woods doing you know rituals and is that really happening or are we just blaming?
1: Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, we, we are. We have talked about this, it, and you know what I really love is that when we when we put out that cattle and crop episode, we asked for people's input and their suggestions mm-hmm. on what it could be because we're not in any way, shape, or form on here saying you know aliens are doing this to cattle, even though that's what I believe. Uh, it you know I am definitely open to all different theories, you know, of what we put out there and probably some cattle out there that they have found has been a direct result of, of man doing that or, you know, and who knows, are they worshiping the devil while they do it? Who knows? Why are they, why are they choosing cattle? Like, you know, me and, and we've talked about, they're doing it to other animals. We just don't, aren't privy to it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these are, you know, there's. They have definitely found animal sacrifices in the middle of the woods in weird places, and that probably is attributed to some kind of sat- satanic worship. So, uh, thank you again for emailing that in. I mean, we definitely are open to all theories. It, it, it is. It's, it's an interesting subject to me. We could talk for hours on it. Still, we could probably go off right now and have a whole other episode. Uh, we have some new information you said that's you know been released on it it's just fascinating to me though that the blood is gone like it's the blood is gone there's no evidence the carcass is deflated like a balloon Uh, it's just there's just so many aspects of it that if it was man done then dang they're a pretty well organized group of people that have this down to a science whatever the hell they're doing
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, totally. And I, I know that we had, we did have another listener email us like a YouTube link, uh, that kind of, I, I started the video on YouTube and I just never followed through because it was definitely more of like a scientific, uh, you know, premise around why this would be happening to the cattle. And this listener wanted us to kind of look into that, which I totally appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do for sure. I think we, there is definitely a possibility that, these are these mutilations or events are happening just part of nature you know that it's like the nature's Mm -hmm. process in some to some way or extent the latest report that we found that we felt like we just had to talk about it again and follow up is the Oregonian published on April 23rd more cattle mutilations happening in rural Harney County or that—that that is where we reported it before, mm-hmm. um, and we also talked about Crook County. I think Crook County was—is the current one. Harney County was the episode that we did before. The cattle are different. So uh, I don't know if I told you this, Kim, but the—the the cattle that we talked about in the first episode are bulls, and the cattle that are being uh, mutilated now are. Uh, beef cattle so they they're you know I'm sure that makes a difference in in the value of the cattle and what the cattle are used for and bred for or but it's happening to you know different types of cattle Hmm. so the article for the from the Oregonian talks about the police being called in because of course the ranchers are finding their cattle with the different parts missing places cut out cleanly Without disturbing other organs, there's no indication of predator activity, and uh, and then of course the scavenging animals have hardly even touched the six cow carcasses found on this one property. Okay, hmm. um, so yeah, we they're... talked
1: we base we talked about that right where other animals that are around. Won't go near these carcasses, which is not normal.
0: Right. And again, like what's interesting is you've got like the detectives from the sheriff's offices. You've got like the veterinarian, you know, looking at the um, mutilated cattle afterwards. And, you know, they don't know what's going on. Uh, they're not going to speculate about what's happening, but they're trying to keep an open mind and look at all possibilities. Of course, they talk about in this article, how long these mutilations have been going on. They reference Harney County, Wheeler, and, and other counties that this has happened to in Eastern Oregon, uh, and, and just how they don't know what is happening. And, and that's the part that's kind of interesting is they also cite another podcast that is covered It's a podcast, I guess, based out of Bend, Oregon. Hmm. I tried to find the episode. It's called Skeptoid. I don't know Hmm. if any of our listeners have listened to that podcast. I couldn't find the episode on cattle mutilation, but they actually quote this podcaster in here. And he says, you know, he poo-poos the idea of it being like an extraterrestrial event or any type of even like, criminal activity or ritual happening. He says that it's simply, like, birds or, uh... Birds? What are they,
1: sucking the blood? Like, they're little vampire birds? Like, how could a bird do that? um, Like, a microorganism getting in there somehow from a bird? Or is that what they're talking
0: about? Or... He's... this, This podcast host has put a whole episode... Together in 2015, which is probably why we can't access it because it's probably in some kind of an archived area mm-hmm. or he doesn't have it as available. But um, he read a 28 page search warrant um, from the Crook County case to try to figure out what's going on. Apparently, it's almost certainly the same kind of bird predation we've seen in so many similar cases. In my opinion, in my opinion, there is nothing here that suggests anything but normal and expected bird predation, <laughs> Gosh, and no <laughs> justification for a search warrant to seek out any any other thing or human responsibility in the woods.
1: Interesting. Well, if any of our listeners have input on this bird theory, I'd love to hear it. Email us, uh, or you know, continue to email your theories on it. Or what you find out out there. I do appreciate that person emailing us uh, that YouTube information, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, he this podcaster also said that um, there's apparently like a short window of time between when an animal dies and its body is scavenged. Scavenged. Hmm. Birds and also some insects will always go first for the exposed soft tissue, eyes, tongue, lips, mouth, and genitals. Uh. The animal is dead with zero blood pressure, so there is never significant bleeding from post-mortem wounds. The body is in the process of drying and decaying, so skin pulls tight from around the excised area, giving the impression of a perfect surgical cut.
1: Oh, interesting. But the organs are ripped
0: out and completely gone. For Yeah, some of the parts, Mm -hmm. you know. And and, I mean, I, I also think that Uh, they did find, like, missing patches of hair on these cattle and prick marks. So I've also read that in order to get up close to some of these animals, you would have to, like, tranquilize them. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: whatever it is that's happening, uh, the fact that, you know, seasoned investigators, veterinarians reporters are saying what the fuck is happening the rancher that's doing this whole the ranchers that that, have had family i mean i don't know i mean it is all tied also into people's property and their livelihood and their income and there's a loss of income there how we haven't figured this out And the reason we're bringing it up is, you know, this ties into previous episodes. These are, this is information, additional information we've gotten from listeners, but it ties also into what's going on in isolated areas in our state. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of why we wanted to bring up the cattle mutilations again. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of a weird way to link it all up with the woods and what's happening in our woods, but also it's kind of the same premise. There are things happening in these isolated areas, in the desert, in the woods, throughout the state, that is unexplained sometimes, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It is, you know, we just have a lot of area for things to be happening that can go undetected. Mm -hmm.
1: For sure. Well said. Well said.
0: And with that, we have had some listeners email photos of random things that they have found in the woods. So that's, (laughs) we we want more of that. We want (laughs) your photos. If you are out on a hike, if you're out walking your dog, I if think you, you took
1: a walk and you took a picture of that creepy little doll on the There was a doll. <laughs> a
0: there was a one. doll in an alley, and I'm like, what the hell is this doll? Obviously, like a little girl probably dropped her doll, but like I walked back I by know. again and the doll was sitting up against the tree. Shut your mouth.
1: <laughs> You're
0: <kidding. No. laughs> She was waiting for me. Yeah. Uh but Dave has been out and sent me photos of like A toy. Maybe we talked about this before, like a toy laying underneath like an underpass by some river he was fishing (laughs) at. So we have, we'll post some pictures from a listener who sent us stuff that was out. And that kind of gave us the idea of getting listeners to send us in stuff. And if you send us some photos, we'll send you a sticker. But let's get the, send us your creepy things that you're finding in the woods.
1: I love it. I love it. So we're gonna just end today's episode, and I'm gonna have Christine. You're gonna read a five-star review that we received. Woohoo! Right? I Uh, am. And you know, just to touch base on our reviews, you all know that Christine and I. This we're not doing this for income. We're doing this for fun and awareness, and trying to do something good here. Uh, So we definitely respect and want your you know your constructive criticism I'll just say it that way if you want to email that into us we take that and roll with it and try to learn right um, we're not close minded about that uh, but we definitely want you to leave us your positive review on Apple iTunes because for some reason that does carry some kind of weight in the podcast world and it will allow our podcast to be seen more So we want, you know, we're not doing this for fans, we're not doing this for income, we're doing this for passion, but we want to find those other creepers that are passionate about it too, you know, the people that get us and and tune in and enjoy, enjoy listening. And hopefully you're one, but Christine's going to read a review from one of our creepers that just really tickled his fancy, and we just want to say thank you.
0: Yeah, and I think the key is also for us is to, to piggyback what you said, Kim, is uh, that we we're putting energy out there from the beginning for the victims of these crimes or the the missing people, the, you know unexplained things that have happened our energy is going towards that we're not here to you know have the perfect like music in our intro which by the way we're working on but like this is this does take time and work and effort and and we're working on it we're a work in progress and so it's about the the subjects it's about what we're you know and and some of it is just you know fun and Hopefully, we're we're talking about having more lighthearted, fun episodes in here, too, sprinkled in there. But uh, we want the energy to go towards, like, the people that have been through these crimes or lived through them or, or the the family members. So mm-hmm. that's where our energy is going. And that's where we want it to go. We don't want it to go towards people that that don't like our intro music or don't like that we talk too much or whatever. So right. anyway, let me read. Um, we got a five-star re- review from Mod Monster. Uh, they said, I love how casual your conversations are. It feels like I'm just sitting in on a coffee date and you have genuine and kind approaches to the stories. I feel safe with you too. Oh,
1: that I know almost makes me want to cry it really does like i i i I, I am getting a little choked up about that because you know we're putting this out there and she's really she's really picking it up or he or she i'm sorry but
0: we're like we don't know it i know we just know they're mod (laughs) monsters so
1: monsters really picking up what we're putting down and uh, we that, love you mod monster yeah thank you so much that really does mean the world to us and you know send us your address and we'll send you a sticker for your sticker album come on yes people.
0: come on you guys, don't you want an unexplained Oregon sticker? Put it on your vehicle. water bottle. Put it on. <laughs> put it on your laptop. Put it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All
1: right, dear. Well, uh, such a fun topic today. Such a fun time talking to you about dead bodies and our listener emails. Dead bodies <laughs> and
0: dead cows. Yeah.
1: Now I'm gonna go and weed and think about these cattle mutilations. It's like all like. Maybe I should go find my dad and talk to him about it.
0: Yeah, find your dad, find Dan, and ask him about Lost Creek because we're going to be headed there next weekend.
1: And so that's coming up. Uh, You'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. So we've learned from our last season. We've taken everything we did, and we're going to make this season good. I'm so excited. I hope you still stay tuned and come back and, and listen for every episode.
0: Listen, tell a friend.
1: Thanks write for everything. sitting with
0: me to write a, write a review, <laughs> go pull some weeds, drink a cup of coffee. What else?
1: Or a beer, right? I mean. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Just yeah. go drink.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, dear.
0: I'll talk to you soon. I love you, Kim. I love you.